Hello and welcome to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. This is episode 13 of the most influential weekly podcast to come out of the Saskatchewan business community. On each episode, Paul Martin, business commentator and the chair of Martin Charlton Communications, brings us the stories behind the headlines and explains why each story matters to you. On today's episode, how the media influences our view of the economy. Are we getting the full picture or are there stories that mainstream publishers and broadcasters simply miss? Paul, it's the final episode of the season before the Christmas break. It's lovely to be back in the virtual room with you. Well, thank you. And I suppose the fact that we are at the end of the year and in the Christmas season, the topic that comes to mind when you're talking business at this time of year uh, often doesn't take long to get to retail and to talk about what's going on. And that sort of triggered my thought that uh, we could probably talk about uh, just media treatment of uh, business coverage in general. And as working in the Saskatchewan marketplace, I mean, the media here on the, the you know, the, the grand scale is really very small. So most of us don't get to specialize. I've been very fortunate in my career to have had the opportunity to be a specialized in the coverage of the business scene. So it's afforded me a different view than I think most journalists get in Saskatchewan or most people in the media. And, uh, you know, it just, there's a couple of questions that are always coming up for me when I'm out in the business community, business leaders will ask me, you know, why doesn't the media get it? Why don't they understand business? And my response has changed over the years, but here's kind of where I sit right now. And as I say, why would you expect them to? I mean, uh, it's simply not possible. And here's where I'm coming from on this. Were I to be a news editor in the newsroom, any newsroom today, and I assigned a reporter, go do a story on retail at the Christmas season in our market, that reporter would immediately trundle on down to the local shopping center, to the mall. And they would, you know, wander into a retail shop and they would interview a a clerk and maybe a manager and capture uh, some comments from a couple of people walking through the main mall corridor, you know, through the, the, the central common area and ask them, what are you buying today? That kind of stuff. So why do they go retail? Well, in fact, that's the only place that they encounter the economy. I mean, that is their interface with business and the economic world. Reporters are employees of an organization. They are not in management. They don't understand business. They don't understand the push-pull of management. And why should they? They've never been put in that chair. They are consumers. That's the world. That they, That's how they look at the world. It's through the eyes of a consumer, and in some cases, a unionized consumer because of their employment uh, organization. So it really is uh, where they come from. They've never been exposed to the issues that those in leadership positions have to deal with. And so when you send someone out to uh, do a story on the economy, a reporter, uh, you know, they will not go to a manufacturing facility. They will not go to the local pension fund manager's office and ask how the world is operating. But it is, if you stop and think about it, not that particularly surprising that this is the way they see the world. And it's simply because that's the way they see the world. I and mean, it's the only place that they've been exposed to it. So business people shouldn't be surprised when they get 
what they would consider to be shallow or very narrow coverage. But for the rest of us, there is also a secondary story here, which is, that's cool. It's always nice to know what goes on in retail because after all, consumers do make make up a big part of the economy. But it challenges us to be more discriminating in how we consume news. And I don't really care if it's just business coverage. It's coverage of all kinds. I mean, reporters are also, when they look at the political realm, they are, you know, rank and file citizens. They don't worry about things like job numbers. Yeah, they report on them and they seem intriguing, but they don't know where they come from or, you know, I guess they understand some basic things like supply and demand, but they probably don't think about it. And and I, th- I think back to, uh, you know, I, I remember working, the local newspaper and and the folks that I got to to work with and I had left the paper by then but it came under new ownership and there was you know massive layoffs one day uh, about a third thirty percent of the staff got laid off and they were, they were quite disturbed obviously you'd be very upset with that if you were one of those losing the job but you know the point that the there was a considerable level of anger and I remember talking with some of them and I, and the thought that was going through my mind at the time was listen. As reporters, you hold yourself out to be on top of the pulse of the community and know what's going on. And you didn't see the train that hit you. So why should I, you know, even pay attention to you? So there's a story in here as well for journalists and for the media in general. As I'm, I, I, I sit in on a couple of, uh, you know, web uh, uh, sites that cover the media, particularly in the U.S. And just in, and the only the story theme right now is the demise of the the traditional news media and this newspaper went out of business and this one laid off a bunch and these got bought up by some uh, venture or vulture fund or something and and you know it really is their inability to actually keep track of the business side of the business and they kind of feel i think a little bit like uh, somehow this just happens right we're kind of owed this thing and and maybe in canada we get uh an we get tainted that way because of the, the the rapid growth of the CBC and the way the federal government's been pouring money into it. And they become almost predatory now in the context of how much space they occupy in the media realm. And uh, it's hard for the private sector guys to compete with that. But the flip side is it's easier for the private sector guys to compete with that because every time someone gets big, there's room for little ones. Uh, if you get really big, you have to get specialized or you cover certain areas, you leave openings because you simply can't be everything to everybody. So you have to figure out what works for me. And and, and let's go back to a retail example. I, I can remember covering stories of communities that would try and ban Walmart from coming to town because, quote, it would kill all the other small businesses. Actually, if you look at it, Walmart knows exactly where it belongs in the marketplace. They are the roll back the prices guys. I mean, watch their ads, all that. It's all about low price. So if you want to compete with Walmart, don't go for price. They will kill you every time, right? Go somewhere else. But they also don't hold themselves out as a boutique or something that is out of the ordinary or whatever. They they go for mass volume stuff. So if you want to specialize, you can go into... Uh, lower volume stuff with much higher margin, much higher prices, and compete around the outside edges and know very well, very full well, that Walmart's not going to come into your space. I remember talking with Sam Hughes, who was a, you know, he ran a a chain in the the U.S. It was called Sports Chalet, and he didn't own it. He worked for it. And he said, you know, it was an interesting exercise because they were uh, a very high-end sports thing. He said, we specialized in really unique 
sort of almost designer sports, right? He said, if you were going to go mountain climbing or you needed a high-end bike or you wanted to do some rock climbing or be at a very competitive level, level in tennis or something like that, you came to our store. And he said, the only way you would get a bike more expensive than the one I sold you is if you went to one of those European bike shops that did nothing but sell Dutch-made bikes that weighed like two pounds, right, made out of carbon. He said, so we were just one notch below super specialized, and we would do a lot of camping gear and outdoor stuff. And, and he said, every once in a while, one of the, the running shoe suppliers would have a year-end blowout. They'd come to me, and they'd, they'd say, you can buy these, these running shoes for 50 cents a box. And he said, I couldn't resist. And then we'd put them in the center of our store and our customers would come in and they'd look at it and they'd say, why are you selling these cheap shoes, right? And he said, every time I'd bite, I would get reminded that's not my role. And he said he, he would build a matrix for us and he would show us where they sat. So he was always in the top right-hand corner, high price, high value. And he said, Walmart was in the bottom left, low price, lower value. But he said, Walmart was by far the biggest mover of sporting goods in the United States. And as long as we stayed out of that space, we were fine. And as soon as I would try and nibble back in there, he said, they'd kill me. My customers would turn on me. And he said, I had to stop. I had to just have the discipline to not succumb to the 50 cent a box offer. That's Walmart space. And he said, once we understood that, they were able to build out a chain. And, uh, you know, and he said, so do we serve all customers? No, we just know who we do serve. And so it's the retail is as equally refined, I guess, as, as any other business. And maybe the media is not as equally refined as anybody as any other business. So in a market the size of Saskatchewan, for example, we don't have very much specialization in media. You can access it. Uh, through cable or online or that sort of stuff. But if you think about business coverage in Canada, you know, 24-7 cable is BNN. Well, that's not headquartered here. We don't have a Saskatchewan version of that. Uh, it, it, it is for us, you know, the media is all things to all people. So as a consumer of that information, you need to be somewhat discriminating. Just understand the media is not misleading you. They are just who they are. And once you understand that, you can then say, all right, if I've got a gap in my coverage or my knowledge level, I can go here and here and here for more specialized kinds of coverage. But understand, media is driven by market size. And so it's all about audience. And Saskatchewan with a small population base, and we talk about that a lot on this show, and doesn't command as much uh, share of mind in the the, uh, the mind of media owners and, and simply because we don't have the audience. Yeah. And when you look at this market, there's a lot of broadcasters which aren't technically full time. They're, they're limited hours because of the resources that are available to them. People have to also remember the financial model of traditional media, whether it's radio, television, newspaper, etc. The financial model isn't what it used to be. And with digital disruption, those who have adopted the push into digital, they've been able to add channels and themes. But very often, if you look at newspaper providers, for example, they're networking material from other locations. So it's not specifically local anyway. For example, some podcasts or digital productions that they're doing, they're coming from other parts of the country. So you lose that local element. Paul, I have a question for you. In my old world, when I came from the United Kingdom, from the publisher that I was working with there, 
we very much were interested in how media was used, business media, international business media, the Bloombergs, the the uh, Economist, etc., Deutsche Welle, how these were used when it came to international corporations and national corporations looking at mergers and acquisitions when it came to purchasing, backgrounding an organization, due diligence, let's say. How important is that, especially in a marketplace which doesn't cover business to such an extent as an international business publication? No, it's a very good question, and I would turn it just a bit, and I would say that this. And now I'm speaking to business owners and operators, business managers. You, even though you come from a small market, doesn't mean you don't have a story to tell, and doesn't mean it isn't important to your organization to tell that story. The challenge becomes one of uh, getting share of mind for those who live in the Toronto's, the Londons, the New Yorks, and the Chicago's of the world who A, don't know anything about you, don't know anything about the industry you're in. And so you have to become that much more skilled and adept at becoming not just a storyteller, but telling me why your story is important. I mean, that is the whole reason for Saskatchewan Matters podcast is where does Saskatchewan fit into the universe, into the global thing? And and so every episode or every second episode, wherever, I'm very conscious of the fact that we need to talk about, you know, where does Saskatchewan fit into it? And that are we just so small we don't exist or are we actually something that has an impact in big markets like Europe or in the United States? And I think an argument can be made that certainly we have a big impact. And I'll tell you, the flip side of this, the media becoming, uh, you know, the traditional media model being uh, eroded or uh, disappearing, being undermined, the flip side of that is that the technology is so empowering. There is room for the little guy. Uh, this is the kind of the, uh, the you know, the, the parallel story to Walmart, but this is the, the story in the media. I mean, look at what we are doing here. We're sitting here in and in we don't need massive assets of broadcast facilities with signals and towers and frequencies and all kinds of people behind us. We can sit here and have this conversation and basically on a phone line, uh, crank out our story and tell the world. So if we are capable of actually, you know, explaining what we're doing here and making it compelling enough that somebody might follow us, uh, then bang, we can tell the Saskatchewan story and it can get out. And we don't need to be the monster uh, giant economist or Bloomberg kind of style. But from the consumer's perspective, it's harder. It's easy if it, you, you know, you know the name Bloomberg, you know the name economist, you know Dow Jones, you know Reuters, but you don't know Martin Charlton, you don't know Saskatchewan Matters. So you've got to, you know, we've got to work hard to kind of get a little attention and hopefully people will tweet to what we say and they will share what we say. And then, you know, uh, organically we will build an audience. And that's, that's really the fact that that's the new world opportunity. I, I watch the journalists bemoaning the fact that the news media is being, you know, eroded and undermined and all. Yes, I get that, except that you're speaking from the perspective of an employee and, you know, my work in the business world, I have this theory. This is Paul's theory. It has no substance whatsoever in research or science is that 5% of the world is an owner. 95% of the world is, a, is an employee. And so I get the bemoaning that's going on because that's the bulk of the people. They don't want to have to bulk of the people in media or really in any line of work. They don't get what it takes to 
find a customer, build a product, satisfy the customer, do the billing, all of that junk that business owners do. It's just way easier to go to work. But what you need to understand is when you show up at your desk and there's an assignment for you, someone somewhere made a sale and did all that selling work for you. You show up and you just simply execute. You don't own that job. And the customer owns that job, right? And the customer is represented in the organization by your employer, not by you. So, it, you know, there's an entitlement thing that kind of gets lost in this. And again, I take me back to my original point. Most journalists are employees. They look at the world through the eyes of employees. They don't even understand the push-pull that goes on inside their own organization or is based around their own career, let alone what's going on out there in the broader world. So when you read the news or you listen to the to a, uh, news that is business oriented uh, you know be discriminating just say I that's important information take the facts that's useful but do your own interpretation don't rely on the media's interpretation because it will be at best shallow and at worst misguided Paul, a fantastic set of insights. Before we leave the episode, the final episode for 2021, I can't believe this year has gone so quickly. Just a couple of thoughts that you've got on, you know, how the years panned out so far from the point of view of period two of COVID and how resilience and business, innovation, great investments in sectors, including the tech sector here in Saskatchewan. Just big picture, 2021 in your mind. Well, I've coined the phrase Saskaboom 2.0, that we are in the midst of a uh, upswing in the commodity cycle. And yes, the Saskatchewan economy and marketplace is being diversified and technology is one of the fields that's growing, but we're still relatively small in that. Uh, most of the companies are fledgling. Hey, yes, we have a couple of you know long-time players that are very well established, but we the surge that we see in tech is really with uh, startups and new players. But the, the stuff that really uh, drives the Saskatchewan economy is commodity-based. Uh, so the big ones, uh, the three Fs is a, a a term that I coined in a in a business magazine column one time. I now have uh, elevated that to the four Fs. So it's food, fuel, and fertilizer is the first three. The fourth one that I've added now is forestry, simply because we've seen about a billion dollars being invested by significant players in the forestry industry into, uh, I would call a renaissance in Saskatchewan's forestry sector. And uh, But uh, the food, agriculture. The fuel is the oil, gas, uh, uranium uh, sectors, and the fertilizer being potash to a lesser degree, nitrogen. Uh, Those are the ones that really drive what goes on in Saskatchewan. And we're seeing significant upticks on all of those. All of the curves have turned in our favor. We probably have five or six years if you look at traditional cycles. And if you want some evidence of that, just take a look at the the, the mid-year uh, report from the provincial government. The government's books are a reflection of the state of the economy. An economy that's booming creates more taxes. An economy that's flat doesn't. Uh, the Saskatchewan government's uh, revenue stream is, uh, you know, they they took in about $2 billion more than they had forecast. Yeah, expenses are up too, but you know they that really is a signal that the top line in Saskatchewan is starting to move. And I suspect that uh, sometime in 2022, 
uh, we're going to go beyond the announcements of capital expenditure, but the actual money will start to flow into the ground. My best guess is at this point, we've seen about $10 billion worth of announcements for new construction in Saskatchewan, major industrial activity. So that's my highlight of 2021 was uh, the Saskaboom 2.0 became evident early in the year. And by the end of the year, it was it had really taken hold. Paul, thank you so much for everything from this year and this season. I'm looking forward to the beginning of January. Obviously, we're going to speak in the meantime, and Paul, you'll be out and about in the community talking, no doubt. But in terms of Saskatchewan Matters, effectively, our first season in our first year, Christmas makes a natural break, so we'll call it season two from next year, the 2022 season. And I want to say thank you very much for really leading us on this. And as 2022 is just around the corner, I couldn't be more excited for the insights that we're going to garner from you and the evolution of this fantastic place that we call home. Thank you. Talk to you next year, Dan. And thank you for taking the time to listen to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. Do share the insights that power Saskatchewan with friends and colleagues. Saskatchewan Matters is proud to be a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network.